Today is a letter to a church, and it's the longest of the letters, and it's the most complicated of the letters. Just to be honest, we don't know exactly what all the things that this letter talks about means. Clearly, in the first century, they understood all the ins and outs of this letter. Us, in a different context, in a different world, and different uh, things that we're just not sure about. There's some things in this letter, as we look at today, about this church in uh, Thyatira that, gosh, we don't exactly know what he's talking about. And so what I want to try to do today is take a 10,000-foot view and just kind of explore some things that we all can grow in and we can all make some progress in because the, the overarching view of this letter and really all of the seven letters that we find in Revelation chapter 2 are to give us spiritual direction to help people that have said, I'm a disciple of Jesus, or I'm a follower of Jesus, to live in the world, but not to be conformed to the world. That's what the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do, that we're not to be shaped into the world's mold or the culture's mode, that we are to be set apart. And so Jesus invites us, and Paul invites us, and the Apostle John invites us, and the whole of New Testament invites us to say, you live here, but as you live here in this world that doesn't always believe what you believe and see things the way that you see them as followers of Jesus, this is what it should look like for a Christian. Jesus, right after he was crucified and rose from the dead and was getting ready to ascend back to heaven, he prayed for you and I. I don't know if you know that or not, but he had a prayer for you and I. And his prayer was this in John 17. You don't have to go there. We're just going to fly right by it. He said, my prayer is not that you take them, we're the them, out of this world. So he's not saying, hey, when they decide to follow me, immediately they're going to go to heaven and all of their problems are going to be taken care of. He says, I'm not praying that because I know that that's not reality. But what I am praying is that you would protect them from the evil one because they're different. There's something about their life that is separate. And so while they live here, would you protect them? They're not of this world, Jesus continued, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. And that's what we're going to try to do today, is to sanctify is just a word that means to grow closer to the image of Jesus. That there was salvation that happened in a moment when you decided, I need Jesus to be the bridge between me and God and to forgive me of my sins, salvation happened instantly. And in that same instant, there was what we call justification, that we were justified through faith, that God saw us through the lens of what Jesus had done. That's justification. That happened instantly. But sanctification is a process that is ongoing in your life. That if you're alive and breathing today, which I think most of you are, you are in the process, or should be, in the process of sanctification. That job never ends. That is, I wake up every day and I recognize there's parts of me that are not the way Jesus wants them to be. And so I want to go through the process of sanctification, becoming more conformed into the image of Jesus. And we do that through the Word. Brooke just talked about it, loving the Word. We are sanctified through reading the Word, through believing the Word, and letting the Word change us. And they said, sanctify them through your truth. The Apostle Paul again said in, in Romans, hey, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's our goal as followers of Jesus, is to say, I'm going to, through the Spirit's help, 
I'm gonna let God work in my life and be changed and help me to change the way that I think and help me to change the way that I see the world. And so if you wanna follow along, if you have a printed Bible or if it's on your, your phone, Revelation chapter two, we're gonna start in verse number 18 today, and it's very confusing, it's very kind of complicated, it's very long, again, we don't understand all of it, but hopefully as we're gathered this morning, we can, again, kind of a 10,000 foot view and grow a little bit, because here in just a second, he's gonna give us five characters of a, fo a follower of Jesus. And what I would invite you to do is just kind of go on this litmus test with us. If you don't have a Bible, that's no problem. You can just follow along right here on the screen. But this is John chapter 2, starting in verse 18. To the angel of the church, or the messenger of the church in Thyatira, write. These are the words of the Son of God. So it's been so interesting, if you've been following along with us in this series, that at each letter, Jesus describes himself in a little bit of a different way. So last uh, week, his letter, uh, he described himself as, as somebody that has a, a sword coming out of his mouth. Today, he's describing himself like this, a son of God, Jesus, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know, and then this is a great thing that he says. Here's, here's some things that should be happening to you in your life if you were following Jesus. He gives you five things. He gives me five things. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, and your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. And so this is a beautiful litmus test for you and for me in our walk with Jesus. And let me just run through them real quick. We're gonna take about 60 seconds per to just, and I, you, just, you just give yourself a, don't tell anybody out loud because that would be weird, but just on a one to 10 scale with all of these five, how are you doing? If you, if you are a follower of Jesus, how is it, how, how's your deeds? And here's what this means. How does my spiritual life line up with the rest of my life? Is my spiritual life informing the rest of my life or is the rest of my life informing my spiritual life? The, the way that I let Christ be lived out day in and day out. James said it this way, 2.17, in the same way faith by itself is not accompanied by action, well, it's dead. That my life, the way that I wake up and think about the world and the way that I interact with people, that should be influenced and directed by my faith, it's my deeds. And so in your life, how do you scale yourself? Is your church life separate from your regular life? Not just your deeds, but also your love. How do you interact with people that you don't like? What about people that see the world differently than you? What about people that vote differently than you? What about people that have never apologized? What about people that just rub you the wrong way? How is your love towards them? Because Jesus said, a new command, I give you love one another, not just the easy to love people, not just the people that you see eye to eye with, love one another as I have loved you, Jesus went first, so you must love one another. How do we do in that if we're a follower of Jesus? How, how, how is my relationship with people that, that kind of aggravates me and pushes my buttons? Am I doing a good job loving? Jesus would also go on and say, by this you will know that my disciples if you love one another. That's the litmus test. Not just deeds, not just love, but he said about faith. Faith is just this idea, I believe God. 
I, I, I can't see all the things, and if he's calling me to do this, I don't know how it's all gonna work, but I'm just going to trust him. Faith is that understanding that I'm going to believe that God loves me, has a plan for me, has called me to something, and even if I can't see step number five, I'm gonna do step number one in faith. Hebrews said it this way, and without faith, well, it's impossible to please God. So, so God is not pleased by you attending church today. I'm pleased that you're attending church today. Thank you so much for doing that. But God is not pleased simply by church attendance or religious activity. It's faith. It's trusting that God is who he says he is and it'll do everything that he said that he would do. It's impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to him well, must believe that he exists. We can't see him with our hands, and we can't put our, our arms around him. There's, there's faith, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How, how's your faith? How is your trust in God? Not just that, but our, our service. That's different than deeds. Service is looking for opportunities to use your talents, your skills, your abilities, what God has placed in your life for the benefit of other people. Are you just looking out? Am I just looking out for number one? Am I just the, the highlight of my story? And if anybody else is helped by my story, that's great, but it's really all about me and me alone. Or am I following Jesus and I'm going to look for opportunities to use what I have to help somebody else? I'm looking for opportunities to take the talents and the skills and the gifts that I have for the benefit of other people. Paul said it this way. You may, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We have freedom. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And it's not just about me, me, me. Rather, serve one another. Humbly, in, there's that word again, in love. So how, how are you doing in that? If you were to give yourself a ranking, one to 10, are you looking for, I know you're busy. I know you've got stuff going on. Me too, I've got a lot of life to do. But how am I looking for opportunities? Do I have my eyes up looking to serve other people? And then the last one is perseverance that I just have decided even when it's difficult, I'm gonna serve Jesus. Even when it's, I'm at a crossroads and this is what culture points to and these, this is what Jesus points to, I'm gonna persevere in following him. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way, blessed is the one who perseveres. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. That's the only way that you are able to persevere. You don't have to persevere when it's all good. You don't have to persevere when things are just wrinkle-free and no problems. Perseverance is, an, is, is evidenced by I'm going through a trial and I'm choosing to follow Jesus because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so here's our litmus test. Here's the, the five that Jesus writes for us. Go to that next slide for me, Keith. Deeds, love, faith, service, perseverance. And John writes to this church in Thyatira and says, you're doing a great job with these. If somebody came in your church and saw how you acted and saw how you loved and saw how you believed God and saw how you served one another and saw how you stood under the test of, of trials, they would applaud you. And he goes on and he would say, you're doing better than you used to. In other words, you're growing and that's our call is that when I am following Jesus, he sanctifies us with truth. I'm changed. I move in areas and I make progress. If I, if I go back to that last slide, sorry for me. If, you know, my deeds are good and my love is good, but my faith, I'm having a difficult time believing him. And if I'm being sanctified by truth, then 
I look back at my life a year ago, and I should have grown. I look back at my life in perseverance a year ago, and I should have grown. And John says, through Jesus to this church, he goes on and he says, listen, you are doing more now than you did at first, and so great job. You're making some progress, but then, as every letter does, he kind of raises the standard a little bit. He, he, he invites you and I to say, yeah, this, these areas, you're, you're doing good, but here's some areas where you need to make some progress. Here's some areas where you need to improve. I want you to be sanctified by truth. And it's not this, I'm out to get you, it's I'm calling you to something. I'm calling you higher, I'm calling you to more, I'm calling you to be further and further in the image of Jesus. And so verse 20, he goes on, he says this, nevertheless, so you're doing great with your deeds, your love, your faith, your servants, and your perseverance, great job. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Pause right there. Here's what's happening. This is almost certainly not a real person in the church called Jezebel. It's a, if you kind of have heard the story, Old Testament, there was a king called Ahab and a queen called Jezebel. No, but lots of people name their kids after Bible characters. You know, you got John and you got Peter and you got Esther. Nobody names their daughter Jezebel as a general rule. That's not something that, because even just hearing it, even if you're not a Bible person, you think, I, I know there's something about Jezebel that I don't want to be associated with my daughter. Here's the story of Jezebel. Jezebel was a person who worshiped Baal and saw the Israelites and said, I want you to involve Baal into your life. I don't necessarily, necessarily need you to stop worshiping your God. I just want you to add our God along with it. And so she began to invite people into this compromising place. And so this is something that's happening in this church. There's this woman that has kind of, if you will, that spirit of Jezebel. Not saying, hey, stop believing in Jesus. Just believe in Jesus and add these other things as well. Let Jesus be a savior, but add these other saviors along with it. And so it's that idea, not a real person named Jezebel, but a person that's in the church. It's not from outside. It's not, we get, as Christians, we get so caught up with what's happening out in the world and look at all the things that are going crazy out in the world. And Jesus is writing, this is an inward problem. This is something that's happening in the chairs. There's a woman that is trying to invite you not to stop following Jesus, but to just follow Jesus in certain areas, kind of similar to the church that we looked at last week. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Like you haven't said, no, we're not going that way. You have not said, no, that's not the direction we're headed. You've, you've tolerated her who calls herself a prophet, and by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. If you were here last week, we talked about both of those same things. The food sacrificed to idol here, she's talking about the same thing because meat would be offered at these temples, and then they would have these outrageous parties where there would be sexual exploits and all of these different things, and it was in worship to God. And so Christians were called to say, I want you again to be set apart. Now, most scholars would say that the sexual immorality in this particular verse is not talking about the sexual immorality that we talked about last week. It's talking about, most scholars would say, that it's a, a spiritual adultery, 
that I've pledged myself to Jesus and I'm cheating on him with the world. That it's not a sexual immorality like what the church that we said last week was in Pergamum. That was sexual immorality, physical sexual immorality. What he's talking about here, most people agree, is that this is, I pledged myself to Jesus. I've kind of, Jesus calls the, his church the bride of Christ. And so you kind of had that picture. But this Jezebel woman is inviting me to allow other partners into our relationship. That I am opening my quote unquote marriage to Jesus up to these other gods. And Jezebel is saying, that's fine. It's no problem if you are plural in your marriage to your heavenly father, that's not a big deal. And Jesus comes along and says, it's a very big deal. That's a real problem. I've given her time to repent of her immorality. It's a real person, but she's unwilling. Like, like there has been opportunity for whoever this is to turn around and to recognize the, the way that I'm going and the way that I'm leading other people is not right, and so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and, and this is why we think that it's spiritual adultery, not actual sexual immorality, I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. And so there's, there's this woman that's leading and saying, hey, this is fine, it's no problem, just open yourself up to Jesus and, Jesus and, have Jesus on Sunday, have these other things later, and you'll be fine. Jesus doesn't mind that. There was this idea in that time and in that age, and it kind of infiltrates us today, that we have a soul that's given to Jesus, that that's our spiritual part of us, but our body, well, I can just do whatever I want with it, that there is kind of this gap between my soul and my body, between the spiritual and the physical, and as long as the spiritual is kind of kept away and it's hidden with Jesus, what I do with my physical, well, who really cares because it's my spiritual that's gonna go to heaven someday. And John is saying, no, those two are connected. They're intertwined. And in verse 23, we don't exactly understand what this is talking about. We, I will strike her children dead. Not, again, not talking about real children, talking about with that spiritual adultery, the things that are born out of that spiritual adultery, those things are gonna be struck dead at some point. Then all the churches will know that I am he, this is Jesus speaking, who searches the hearts and mind. In other words, we can look good on the outside and have a lot of sickness on the inside. We can play the part really well. Everybody looks at me and everybody looks at you and oh, they're so spiritual and oh, look how good of a person they are. But on the inside, we've got this spiritual sickness because we've opened ourselves up to Jesus and that Jesus knows the heart. Jesus knows if my heart is pointed towards him or if my heart is divided between him and other things. He knows and there's consequences to that, he's saying. I will repay each of you. He's talking to you and I now according to your deeds. The idea of Jezebel is not new and it is happening today. That you don't, we said it last week, you don't have to stop worshiping God, just add these other things in as well. You, you don't attend church on Sunday, absolutely. That's a great way to spend your hour. But on Monday, don't, don't worry about that. The question that essentially this letter is asking this church 
and is asking us is, who do you belong to? Who, who is it that you have pledged yourself to? Now, when I was married almost 16 years ago, Brandy and I stood in front of our friends and family, and we gave pledges to each other. We vowed that we were going to give ourselves to each other. I have since lost my wedding ring, but I was given a ring, and everybody that saw me knew he belongs to somebody. That is somebody else's. It was just a symbol on the outside of what I had pledged to Brandy on the inside, that I am not going to invite any other people into our marriage. I belong to you. And because I belong to you, I'm saying no to you. I belong to Brandy, and so if I'm traveling, if somebody invites themselves into my life, no, no. Because I've already pledged myself to somebody. I belong to somebody. It's convenient for me that I don't have just a lot of people throwing themselves at me, and I know that comes as a surprise to you because you've seen me. Uh, yeah, but not, not a lot of opportunities there, just to be totally honest, but even if there was. No, I, this is a ring. Christians have that same thing. We call it baptism. Baptism is what Jesus has called us and commanded us to, and baptism is an outward expression of something that's happened on the inside, that when I cross the line of serving myself to serving Jesus, I cross that line and say, I belong to Jesus. And so when all these other opportunities and all these other invitations and all these other things vie for my attention, just like I would say to a woman, no, I belong to somebody else. As with Jesus, no, I can't do that. I can't get involved in that. I can't participate in that. If it's true that I am, quote, unquote, the bride of Christ, I cannot open my marriage to Jesus up to other people because I belong to him. I'm not going to cheat on Jesus. I'm not going to open up my life to Jesus and, because that's not what Brandy and I would do. Brandy and I, if we, if, if we had that conversation, hey, Brandy, if, if it's okay with you, hey, Sundays, it's all you, baby. Sundays, it's you and you alone. But on Tuesday, there is this lady that I've met, and she's pretty great, and she's just an awesome cook. On Tuesdays, can I go with, with her? You're good with that, Brandy, right? That's no problem. You, Brandy would obviously say, get serious. This is not happening. No, no, no. Don't you remember November the 17th? You looked me in the eye and said, tell death do his part. You don't get to have me on Sunday and somebody else on Tuesday and somebody else on Thursday. That's not the way that this marriage works. And yet spiritually, spiritually, sometimes there is that temptation. Oh, I, yeah, I was at church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, Sunday, 10, 15 to 11, Jesus, you and me, baby, we got this thing going on. And then on Thursday, an invitation, an opportunity pops up and say, hey, Jesus, I just got to put you on the shelf for just a little bit. Don't look over here, Jesus. Jesus, I got this other thing. I read this quote this week. I couldn't believe it. This guy that was in ministry, he got caught up into some things, and he gave an interview, and he says, my holy life has nothing to do with my private life. And it just, I, I, no, 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 wait a minute. But it occurred to me, that's, I think, what a lot of people wrestle with, is that I don't have a holy life and a private life. 
I don't have my Brandy and Kyle marriage life and my other people and Kyle marriage life. It doesn't work. But spiritually, sometimes I try to make it work. I've already said yes to somebody. I've been baptized into Jesus. And so I belong to him. And so when these other things, this Jezebel, when she perks her head up and says, hey, Kyle, yes, Jesus, and what about this other thing over here? I say, no, I, I belong to somebody. And that is inconvenient. And following Jesus will occasionally, if you follow him closely, will occasionally inconvenience your life. And if Jesus, let me just say this, if Jesus has never inconvenienced your life, and I don't want to be mean or harsh or step on anybody's toes, here's what that says about you, and I just say it with so much grace. You're not, and I'm not following Jesus very well, is that if Jesus always goes with what I want, I'm following me and not Jesus. Jesus himself would say, if anybody wants to be my followers, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Jesus will inconvenience your life. And if Jesus is not inconveniencing your life here and again, it's an opportunity for us to look inward and say, am I really following Jesus? Or is Jesus just a thing that I keep on the side, and when it fits in with what I want, I'll follow Jesus, but when it comes this tension and what Jesus wants and what I want is different, I leave Jesus in the background, what it says about me, what it says about those listening here and online, I don't follow Jesus in that moment, because as we move through life, there's just that separation. I have my Jesus life, and my because of my Jesus life, that means I leave some other things behind. Being married, let's be honest, being married is sometimes inconvenient. I mean, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's brought so much joy into my life. And I am a thousand times better because I've been married to Brandy for now 16 years, and there's been occasions in those 16 years, this is really inconvenient. It's inconvenient to, to be selfless in marriage. It's inconvenient sometimes to have to cooperate with somebody that has different ideas and that sees the world differently. It's inconvenient sometimes to say, I belong to Brandy, but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I wouldn't want it any other way. Following Jesus will sometimes be inconvenient. I have these ladders up here, and you've been asking yourself, what in the world is happening here? And this is... uh, Let me just see if I can illustrate it this way, and let me just say, this illustration will break down at some point. There is an end to this illustration, but but as I start to follow Jesus, there's there's these times where I have, and I ran a long ways yesterday, and so I really am hoping that I don't fall off this ladder. If I do, we have some medical professionals close, and so I'm so grateful for you. But as I follow Jesus, I kind of sometimes have have a foot in Jesus' world and a foot in my other world. I've got Jesus here, and then I've got my career, and I've got my family, and I've got my my money. But what Jesus invites us to is sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so as I, here's, here's Jesus, and here's the world. Well, I mean, for a while, I can kind of keep a foot in both worlds. But as I follow Jesus more, eventually, 
I have to decide which way am I gonna go. I mean, again, I could go up maybe one more, but you get much further than this. Your boy's gonna pull a muscle. It's gonna get ugly in my spiritual life. There comes a point where I have to decide, am I following Jesus? Because if I follow Jesus, I, I can't have a foot over here at the same time. Or is everything that the world offers better than Jesus? Because I can't do both. I have to decide. You have to decide. And Jezebel says, well, it's fine. One foot on each, it's, it's totally good. Just, just, just keep going. But there's a limit to that. There's a limit to how far I can go up this ladder. And at the top of the Jesus ladder, we're gonna see in a little bit, there is some rewards here. There is something that Jesus gives to us if we finish our life and finish our race following Jesus. Now, let's be honest, there's some rewards here too. This, this reward might look like I make more money. This reward might look like I, I have more influence. This reward might look like I have more friends or I have more opportunities. This, this has, I mean, that's the only reason we do it. This has some twinkly things and some nice things. And so what you and I have to decide is, what do I want more? If I can't have both, when it becomes inconvenient, which ladder do I choose? He goes on in verse number 24 and he says this, now I say to the rest of you and thy retired, to those who do not hold to her teaching, who have, who have said, I'm going up the Jesus ladder and Jesus only and Jesus alone, Man, if you've not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, she was a prophet, and so she was, she was basically saying, hey, it, I, I've got this new way of thinking, I've got this new way of going, it's Jesus and. He says, no, for those of you that have rejected that and denied that, listen, I'm not gonna impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until you come. That's what we talked about at first. Deeds, love, faith, service, perseverance. He said, listen, as you go up the Jesus ladder, it's not about working harder and trying more and, hey, did Jesus like me and do I jump through all the hoops? He's not trying to impose all of these things on us. He's saying, yeah, there is some inconvenience and there is some sacrifice, but I'm not just going to pressure you with all of this. Oh, I'm just under this weight of Jesus and what a miserable life. I have Jesus himself said it this way, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, even if you're weary and burdened with religion, because that's a lot of people's story. I left religion and I left kind of that stuff in my way because it was just so wearisome and it was so burdensome and it felt so heavy and I could not walk under the weight of religion. Jesus says, leave that behind too, by the way. Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened. I'm the one that's gonna give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke, this way of living is easy and my burden, well, it's, it's light. And that's what Jesus is saying to this, this church. And if you don't hold on to that teaching of Jesus and, if you lean into it's Jesus only and it's Jesus always and I don't have my holy life and my private life and my spiritual life and my regular life, it's just this is my life that's hidden with God in Christ. That's gonna be inconvenient sometimes and that's gonna require sacrifice at sometimes but it's not gonna be burdensome 
and heavy. It's like a marriage. Yeah, we've had some ups and we've had some downs and it's been inconvenient and there's been some struggles, but I would not have wanted it any other way. It's been the best part of my life. I could not imagine my life without my wife. It has been difficult and there has been sacrifice and there has been struggle and I would do it a thousand times over again because I belong to her. And that's our relationship with Jesus. Ah, is there sacrifice? Sure there's sacrifice, but it's better. And is there inconvenience? Sure there's inconvenience, but it's so much better. And then Jesus gives us, here's the prize if you go up this ladder. Again, there's some prizes on the ladder. You can make more money maybe this way. You can have more influence maybe this way. Other people might like you more this way. You might get invited to more things this way, but here's what Jesus offers, and you have to decide what you would rather. To the one who's victorious, to the one who says, Jesus only, Jesus always, and does my will to the end, I would give authority over the nations. You're gonna rule with me. And to the one that will rule with them an iron shepherd and dash them to pieces like pottery just as I've received authority from my father. It's just talking about heaven someday. That's what it's talking about here. I will also, and this is where we're gonna finish today. I will also give that one, the morning star. The morning star is, is Jesus. That's what we receive. That, that's, that's what Jesus is referring to himself. To the one who Jesus only Jesus always, you get Jesus. Whoever has, and this is our call, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to you. What's the Spirit saying to you today? Where is God calling you to sanctify yourself in the word and in the truth? Are you like I have certainly been, trying to have it both ways, do you have your feet on both places? At some point, you have to decide. At some point, you can't have Jesus and, and receive all that Jesus wants for you. It's just not possible. And so Jesus calls you. Don't, don't get so wrapped up in religion and in the burden and in the weightiness. He said it to the first, we said at the very beginning of this series to that church in Ephesus, it all starts with just loving Jesus, loving Jesus, loving Jesus. And as I love Jesus, I say, Jesus only, Jesus always, Jesus only. The reward for following Jesus is Jesus. The reward, I can't promise there's, now a lot of TV preachers are gonna lie to you and say, hey, the reward for following Jesus, you can have a mansion and you have a bunch of money and hey, it's gonna be great. It's not realistic. The reward for following Jesus is Jesus, and that's the best reward. The reward for me being committed to Brandy is Brandy. The reward for me saying Brandy always, Brandy all only, is that Brandy is waiting for me at my house. That's the reward. Now, were there some other opportunities and some other things that I'll miss out on because of? Sure, maybe, but I'll give that up a thousand times for Brandy and my love for her. Jesus is better. Jesus has more value. And Jesus is inviting you, he's inviting me to step off the Jesus and ladder.
and just go all in. And his grace is there and his mercy is there and his help is there. But to say, I'm not gonna be both feet in one world. I'm going Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your conviction for those of us that need conviction. Thank you for your encouragement for those of us that need encouragement. And thank you that you sanctify us through your word and through your truth. And so, Lord, I'm praying that this morning, just as that church in Thyatira, who the Spirit, whoever wants to hear the Spirit would have ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And so, Lord, I'm praying that we would do more than just hear this, that we would have the faith to do what you're calling us to do and the courage to do it. It's in your name that we pray.